Hey, over the last month, though, we've been talking about how to form and and grow your family's faith, right? We've been looking at different areas of this that help your family grow. We've been talking through a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Scott and Diane Mathis came and shared with us about marriage, 10 different elements that they've learned over the years of marriage on on what is important and how we can live out uh, the model of marriage as a couple growing together in Christ, following the way that God has designed. Uh, We talked last week, Pastor Pastor John spoke on parenting and the role that we have as parents that we're called to be making disciples of our children, teaching them why and how to follow Jesus. And so we've spent a lot of time in this series talking about what you are supposed to do, right? But, but here's the question. What, what about the church? What's the role of Mitchell Berean Church when it comes to discipling you and your family? That's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to talk through this and look at Scripture to see. Uh, before we do, though, I want to just take a moment. We're just going to pray, uh, and then we'll open up God's Word together. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for today and for the opportunity that we have to study your Word to grow in our understanding of who you are, of what you've done, God, to grow in an awe of you. And I just pray, God, that you would help us uh, to hear your word and to be doers of the word, that we would listen, God, to what it is that you have called us to and that we would step into it. God, we praise you. We thank you. We look forward, God, to all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to start in verse 11 and go 11 through 16 here. And and here's what we're doing. We're looking at the role of the church within the context of discipling you and your family. Uh, What is the the church's job in that? And and when I'm talking about the church today, a lot of times we say the church and we mean the body of Christ. Today, a lot of times when I say the church, I'm going to mean specifically just the, the local structure that we have here, this organized church that we have here. And so just to give you the context of that, Uh, We're going to see what this looks like here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to talk about the the second paragraph that we just went through there first. I know it seems like we should go in order here and we're going to jump back, but I want you to see this second paragraph describes the result of a church following the model that's laid out by God in the first one. And so I want, I want to see the result because I want you to see how important it is what we're talking about today. So it, it talks about the result in the body of Christ no longer being immature like children. Uh, not being tossed back and forth by every new wind of teaching, easily able to call out or see a lie, uh, even though it may sound like something that's good. It may sound like something that's true. I I think about our current culture right now. I think about uh, the young adults and youth that I work with and the different avenues of teaching that are around them. They have so much access to people teaching them stuff. They can find it anywhere. Most of them are finding it online. And, and the hard thing is, is this, is that many of them are seeing 
Uh, all sorts of teachings, all sorts of stuff out there. And many of it is false. Many of it is lies, but it sounds good. And, and here's the thing. As adults, we're not immune to this either. We hear something that sounds really good or sounds like what we want it to be. And we quickly believe, we quickly buy into it. And, and so what we want to see is a church that is striving on helping us grow to where it's easy for us to see when something is false. Easy for us to be mature and not tossed all over the place by every new kind of teaching and not easily convinced of lies. And when we see this happening, what happens is the body of Christ starts to fill the roles that they're built for, that they're designed for, and that they're gifted for through the Holy Spirit. And we see as we fill our roles, the rest of the body of Christ grows and develops and becomes more into the image of Christ, which is what our, the design and desire is by God for his church. So this is the result of the model that we're going to talk about today, the, the, the role of the church in discipling your family. Okay? It's an incredible thing. This passage gives us a clear picture of the roles of leadership within the church and the part played by them in, in discipling you and your family. So we have this list of gifts that Jesus has given the church, right? We've got the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, okay? This list is often referred to as the five-fold ministry of the church. And many denominations today would claim that they have all five of these roles uh, actively filled within their churches. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time uh, talking about this today. If you would like to sit down and talk about it sometime throughout the week, I would love to. But I'm going to give you just a quick run-through word study on this to help us kind of identify where we're at as a church and what, we are, what we're going to focus on today, okay? When you do a specific word study of this passage, we see something that's clear, okay? Apostles refers to the specific group of men sent out by Jesus himself with signs, wonders, and teachings to launch the early church and to teach the body through the scriptures until the day of Christ's return, Prophets refers to the Old Testament and early church prophets who God spoke through to give us the full revelation of his word. So what's amazing is today we still have the benefits from these gifts, from the, the gifting uh, of these roles. We have the professions of the prophets. We have the teachings of the apostles that we still use in the church today. And through the Holy Spirit, these guys were used to write out the word of God that we have in a fully revealed form today, right? This is the blessing that we have, uh, the result of those that were filling these roles. Now, many today claim to still be filling these roles. And while God can work in whatever way he wants, and he is not limited, he in his word here is giving us something clear, and that's this, that these two roles have fulfilled their purpose in revealing the word of God, giving us the full revelation of God's word. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at the three roles that we still see active within the local church today, all right? So the first one on that list is this, evangelists, okay? These are those that, that have been gifted uh, and sent to proclaim the truth uh, of salvation through Christ without that title of apostle. Now, we are all called to evangelize, but there are some who are specifically gifted uh, as evangelists through the Holy Spirit. And I think, of, I think of friends of mine like Doug Henry. Doug Henry is a youth pastor in Missouri, but he's also a police officer. Uh, and so what's amazing with Doug is that whenever he has an opportunity, he's going to share Christ, whether it's a person sitting in the pew of his church or sitting in the back of his squad car. He tells stories uh, that are just insane of him getting to walk into the worst possible situations and bring up the gospel. 
and share Christ with people and see people come to know Jesus through, through his passion for that. I think of, uh, of the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, whose heart, here, here's his heart. He said, laid it out for us in this statement. He said, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. That heart for it. I think Charles Spurgeon had, had the same heart for this as he said things like this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. I love that heart. This is the heart of an evangelist. I think of, of men like Luis Palau who just passed away this last week and the impact that he had on a worldwide scale for sharing the gospel. I think of my own life where, where I've got to experience some of that impact going to events that, that they put on called Hoi Poloi where they'd come to a city and bring in uh, all these bands and artists for three days and they would be, these bands would play and then they'd get up and they'd share the gospel and many would come to Christ. And got to experience the result of his willingness to pour out his life that people would know Christ. Because that was his heart. He was gifted as an evangelist. And there's many more that I could bring up, but I think you understand the point. This, this role is essential for keeping the body of Christ moving on the mission of Jesus. The next role that we see in this list is the role of pastors. This word is also uh, translated as shepherds. This is the role of one who cares for the body of the local church as a shepherd cares for the sheep of a flock, Right? So a shepherd uh, guides the sheep through difficult terrain, brings them to water, feeds them regularly, and protects them from attack, right? So as a pastor, a shepherd, you're gifted to guide through life's difficulties with God's care and wisdom. You, you bring the spiritually thirsty to the living water of Christ. You feed the body with biblical truth, and you prayerfully protect and battle against what would come to destroy members of the body. That's the role of a pastor. Now, I want to clarify something. Not everyone who has the title of pastor has the gifting of shepherding. We, we put a title on things now that doesn't necessarily match the gifts that we see here. There are many pastors that I know that they're gifting, they're an evangelist. I know many pastors that are the next gifting, they are teachers, but they have the title of pastor. Now, there are pastors who are shepherds, and there are people who do not have that title that are gifted shepherds. So understand, this gifting is not based upon a title or, or just limited to that. We want to see beyond that in this today. The last one on this list is Teachers. This refers to someone gifted to teach the truth of God in understandable ways that are clear and easy to apply. The people who can explain what we believe, the doctrine of the church, and why we believe it, the apologetics. It's the, the what and the why. Very important role. It's an extraordinary role to be part of. So these are the roles uh, that are defined as gifts given to the church by Jesus. But what do we see? What, what does this section say their role is uh, and their purpose is when it comes to discipling you and your family? So let's jump back to verse 12 and let's read it. Let's see what it says clearly. It says this, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So these gifted leaders, they have a purpose, and, and that purpose is this, to build up the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. 
Now, you, you may be going, Pastor Ben, that doesn't sound right. It, it, what I thought, it was, don't, don't we pay you to do that? Isn't that your role to do the work of the ministry? Don't we have a staff here at Mitchell Berean that, that's hired on to do the work of the ministry? The truth is, no, we do not. The staff here at Mitchell Berean is not hired on to do the work of the ministry. The staff here is, is here to equip the body of Christ at Mitchell Berean to do the work of the ministry that God has called you to do. See, that's the, the issue that we have in the modern church movement is, is that we believe the roles sound more like this or should be more like this. I attend to learn. I give an offering so that an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher can focus on doing the work of the ministry that teaches me and my family how to follow Christ. Doesn't sound like a bad thing, does it? It sounds like that makes sense. In fact, most churches would be modeled off of that. But that is not what we see in Ephesians chapter 4 as the model we're called to. Here's what Ephesians 4 calls us to. I attend and I give so that evangelists, pastors, and teachers can focus on how to equip me to reach the lost, to make disciples, and to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. To get a little more specific and focused in, since we're talking about faith in your family, this is, this is what it would sound like. I attend and I give so that evangelists, pastors, and teachers can focus on how to equip me to reach, disciple, and teach my family. That is what Ephesians 4 is pointing out. That's the model that Ephesians 4 is calling us to. That, that structure of this church, that, that's the structure that we have here at Mitchell Berean. And let me show you why it's important with a little visual here. So some of you have noticed there's a few Easter eggs in this room, okay? Just a handful of them, right? Now, these eggs represent the amount of time that the church and you will have with your family on a yearly basis, okay? So on average, the church has about 40 hours a year with you and your family. That's represented by this little jar of eggs over here. 40 hours. Each egg represents three hours of the year. Now, you may be looking and saying, 40 hours, what are you talking about? We offer so much here. There's way more than 40 hours. And when Pastor Ben preaches, it, sounds, it feels like 40 hours, right? Okay, I get it, all right? But, but here's the thing, okay? One thing I want you to understand is this, is that while in just our youth ministry alone, we offer 208 hours of programming a year for, for teenagers and young adults. We, we offer a ton of stuff, and we still, on average, will only see those students 40 hours of the year. That's all we'll see, including service times. On average, that's what we see, but also on average, you with your family will have about 3,000 hours a year together. This is the ratio that we see between the amount of time that you have to pour in your family next to what we have to pour into your family. This is why the typical church model isn't working. It, it's, it's something, we, we think that somehow the church needs to pack into 40 hours each year enough truth and application and foundation and direction for your family to be fully discipled and ready to follow Jesus for the other 8,720 hours of the year. But that's, that's insane to think about, isn't it? When you look at this and go, yeah, it doesn't really make sense that we do it that way. It doesn't work that way, so why don't we look at a different model? Why don't we look at one that's given by Scripture that, that we can see if we can actually make an impact in how we and our families grow in our walk with Christ. I want to share with you what we as a church do offer to equip you for the 3,000 hours that you'll have with your family this year. But first, I want to point out something. 
Mitchell Berean is an active and growing church. It's an exciting thing to be a part of. Over the last month alone, we've been able to pour into over 750 children, teens, and adults across our in-person and online platforms. It's an amazing thing. It's incredible. And what a joy it is for God to open up so many opportunities for impact in our community and around the world, honestly. It's amazing. But we have a dilemma. There are seven people on staff at this church. Okay? We have two pastors, we have three directors or coordinators, we have one specialist and one administrator. So we take this last month's reach and we split it up amongst us and the ratio is about 107 people to one. That doesn't work, at least not very well. So here's the thing. The most common solution churches bring to this dilemma is this. So they say, oh man, we need to hire somebody else on to bring the ratio down. We need to hire someone who's able to work with a lot of people and get them in there and get them involved. That way, we, we can help the staff not be so run, uh, like spread out. That's what we typically do. And while I'm just going to tell you this, um, it, it sounds like a good plan. And honestly, it may be needed, but it's still not the model that we see given in Scripture. It's not the answer according to God. And I'm not, I want you to understand this. If we do follow the biblical example, the biblical model here, it would mean equipping you. And yes, I mean you to do the work of the ministry. That's what we are called to on staff here is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. If you don't believe me, go back and read verse 12 and 13. Go back and read it. We are here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That is our role. Now, that would mean equipping you to do this, to move from being part of what we call the frozen chosen, right? Who, who uh, they, they only serve or they don't serve Uh, unless it's something that directly benefits them. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, so don't read me in that way. What I'm saying is this. I want you to think about this. What if we as a church, not the staff of Mitchell Berean, but instead we as the body of Christ that make up this local church, stepped into the biblical model uh, for the church to be discipled, growing, and becoming a beacon of truth and hope in our community? What if we did this? This is what it would take. We, for that to happen, we need you. We need you to serve. We need you to sacrificially give up things in order to be on mission for Christ in this local church. It's what we need. Now you're looking and saying, what does this have to do with discipling me and my family? Pastor Ben, you're missing the whole point. You're putting this whole thing out about serving and it has nothing to do with how we're, we're built up. Uh, we're gonna get to what we offer as a church to equip you, but you need to understand something. Serving alongside your family is like miracle growth for your family's discipleship. It grows your faith. Faith works like a muscle, and when we don't use it, it doesn't grow. And I want to just challenge you. We have seen this over and over and over again in ministry that when people choose to get involved and start serving and start proclaiming the truth of the gospel and start being part of what God is doing, their faith grows, their family grows. Things that never could have happened start happening because they step into what God has called them to. So I want to encourage you to not just check out and say, well, I don't need to serve. I don't need to do. If you want to see your family grow, I'm just going to encourage you, be part of the body. Be part of the body. Don't just attend to sit around the body. There's a reason for this. Guys, as a pastor of this church, 
I want to see this community on fire for Jesus. I truly want to see this. I want to see a Holy Spirit-driven revival in the hearts of believers around. I want to see people getting saved daily because of the boldness, the bold outreach of the local body carrying the gospel without shame. I want to see families healed from their brokenness because of the powerful truth of God that they've been equipped with through the church to then take home and apply in their houses. I want to see disciples making disciples, and I want to see the impoverished provided for, the rejected brought in, the addicted set free, the unlovable embraced with Christ. That is the vision of the staff at this church. That's what we want to see happen. That is the heart. That is the mission that we as members of the body of Christ have been sent on by Christ. But here's the question. Do you want to see that too? Do you want to see those things happen in our community and across our valley? Do you want to see that? If so, join us. Come be part in the mission. Be part in serving in these areas so that we can see this happen. Because I'll just tell you, if we continue on the same path that we're currently on, we will not see this. It won't happen. And it's not because we don't have gifted people in areas doing things and working. But it's because if we as the body of Christ are only certain portions of the body are doing their role, the rest of the body doesn't grow. And that portion gets worn out and gives up. We've seen it over and over and over again. Did you know that every, <laughs> every week they say about a thousand pastors in the United States quit their job on Monday Every Monday, a thousand pastors stepping out because they're tired of doing the work alone. They're tired of of going, I I can't do this. It's not working. And it's because we're not living out scripturally what we're called to be as the church. So I want to see this happen. Now, I want to share with you what we as a church do offer, okay? I want to show you what we have, but I'm not going to do this in a way of just sharing with you need that's there. I want to share with you the vision and the heart behind the ministries that we offer so that you can see maybe where you have a passion and can dive in and be part of this. So if you hear something today that you're going, I love that, I want to be part of it, then do something about it. Do something with what it says. First thing, we're going to start at the very bottom of our age bracket here, and we're going to work our way up. So we're going to start with our children's ministry. Okay? Now there's a ton of need in children's ministry. You could walk into any church in the United States and say, hey, do you have any needs, people, places you need people to serve? And guess what they're going to say? Children's ministry. Every single time. Okay? You know why? Well, it's because people keep having kids, which is a wonderful thing. It's an exciting thing. But it also means that there's always a need for people to pour into those kids. For people to care for them. For people to, to, to teach them about Christ. There's incredible stuff going on, and, and here's the thing. You, you already know that there's a need there. I love that over the last couple months here, there have been an insane amount of babies born, right, in our church. The coronials, here they are. It's the next generation, okay? But they're here. They're showing up. It's an exciting thing. But we have to, we have to be thinking, okay, so what are we doing With this influx of kids, influx of young families, what are we doing to serve, to help equip them as a church? Keisha and Amy uh, run our children's ministry. And I want to share with you the heart that they have. They have a specific focus for this. This is what they want to see. They want to equip children, students, and families to grow in their knowledge of the truth of the gospel so that they can be pillars of faith in their schools, peer groups, and community. That's the heart of our children's ministry. It's a phenomenal thing. Some of you hear that and go, yeah, I like that. 
I'm all about that, but it doesn't stop there. They've, they've been thinking this through and planning this out and trying to figure it out. So what they try to do is this. They come alongside parents to help reinforce the truth of the gospel at home by providing resources to help accomplish this. I think of what we introduced you to just a few weeks ago with the, the Parent Q app and the Facebooks that are out there. I love these Facebooks because they help you parent your child through different phases of life. This service is getting kind of gypped out on it. The, the last service, I still had some of the books out there for the uh, emerging adult group. That's the kid that you got rid of that came back and lives in your basement. Um, there's a book on that, but it's gone now, so I'm sorry. <laughs> People in the last service needed it more than you, apparently, so they're all gone. But you should take a look at those. Go through them. Start looking and seeing. This is something that the children's and youth ministry is doing to help equip you as parents to be able to lead at home in a way that disciples your children through each phase and stage of life. It's an incredible thing, and they have other, uh, other things, other resources that they're coming across that are going to be made available to you regularly for you to use to be equipped. You see, the purpose of our children's ministry is to help kids grow spiritually and to help them desire to grow in a relationship with Jesus. And because of this purpose, we don't think of our children's ministry as child care. See, child care is there to make sure your kid's alive when you pick them up, right? That's child care, all right? It's a, it's a, a needed thing in a lot of contexts, but here at the church, we don't, we don't do child care. We want every interaction that we have with your kids to point them towards Christ, so there is a purpose behind the way that we structure things. I'll give you an example. We do worship here together during, during our time of worship and music here during a service. We like you to have your kids with you, and there's a reason for it. It's not because upstairs we're panicking and running around trying to get things done and ready for them, trying to lay goldfish out in a strategic pattern that they'll follow into their rooms. It's not like that, okay, though that would be awesome. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's what we want them to see. We want them to see their parents worshiping Jesus. We want them to stand in this room and to look around and go, whoa, not everyone's my age, which helps them get a foundation that they're part of a multi-generational body of believers. We want them to be in the car later in the week and a song that they sang at church pops on the radio and they go, mom, mom, we sang this this week. And you can go, yeah, do you hear what these words say? Do you know what that means? And you can disciple your child through some truth. Use these opportunities. That's, I know it's not always easy, but it's important, and it's why we do that. You see, our children's ministry is working towards building the, the church of 2050 where these kids will be the leaders of that church. The, the question that floats underneath everything that they do is this, though. Are we doing enough to disciple and strengthen their relationship with, relationship with Jesus so that they are ready to lead in 30 years? Are we doing enough? And I want to just challenge you to join them in that because both Amy and Keisha, they need people who, who are bought into that vision, bought into that heart and that mission, ready to serve and be part. I think of Keisha's ministry, the Limitless ministry, which is designed for families with special needs kids. When she first shared the heart of that ministry with us on staff, here's what she, she explained it out as. She said, I want special needs families to feel welcome at church again. It's not that people didn't want them there. They felt like they couldn't come because nobody knows how to take care of my kid. Nobody knows how to care. It's too much work. It's too hard. And so Keisha said, I know. That's my life that I walk through, and I'd love to pour into and care for others. 
So she stepped into that role, and we've had families coming saying, I haven't been able to come to church in years, but now I have someone I can trust. And they've tied my, my child in with a buddy who walks with them through every element, and it's amazing. I'm seeing my kid who I never thought could know Jesus growing in Christ. If you don't think it's that big of a need in our area, public schools have been calling us saying, hey, we're sending someone to your service this weekend who needs, they need someone to care for them. When the public school is calling the church saying we're sending someone to you, it's a big deal. That's God doing something. And if you're going, I want to be part of that, get involved. Talk to Amy today. Figure out what roles there are that need filled and be part of it. Look and see what you can do. Now, we could skip over this next age group and ministry, but because I'm talking, we won't, okay? Youth ministry. So fun. Did you know that Gen Z is the largest most diverse, most passionate generation that we've ever seen in the United States. Did you know that? They're the first generation uh, to be under 50% white, which means that they have a different outlook on everything. And they're changing things as they become adults. And they're passionately leading things out. And most of us look at it with a lot of disdain. We're a little nervous, kind of frustrated, and we're going, seriously, this is what's coming up? What if instead of that attitude, we saw the potential of their generation to spark revival amongst their peers in the church? Because I'd love to sit down with you this week and explain to you why Gen Z is set up better to do that than any of the last six generations before them, because they truly are. But it's going to take the church coming alongside them and showing them something different. See, we have a vision in our youth ministry. Our vision statement is this. We want to see every teen, every student in the valley hear the gospel from a friend. We want to, to have students come in, and this is how we, we do this. This is how we're accomplishing this, is when students come into uh, to where we're at, what we meet, and how we do things, we train and equip them to share the gospel and to make disciples, and then we send them out. We give them opportunities to do that. It's, it's amazing. We let the students run what we do as a ministry and decide where we're going in the year and what our focus is going to be on. This year, the goals that they set were this. They want to share the gospel 2,020 times. They want to see 160 people come to faith in Christ. They want to pray for the lost 5,000 times this year. And they want to see 50 students, 50 of their peers reached and being discipled by the end of this year. These are great, phenomenal goals. And of this this year, here's what we've seen. In all the chaos and all the craziness, our students have been able to share the gospel 150 times this year. You're like, that's a long ways from 2020. I get it. It's a long ways from, from what their goal was, but here's the number that blows my mind. Out of those 150 gospel conversations, 40 people have come to Christ. 40 people, which means God is doing something in our area and the field is actually ripe for harvest. So let's do something with that. They've prayed over a thousand times that I know of for the lost, and over 20 students are already, have been reached and are already being discipled. It's incredible. It's an amazing thing, and it's because we focus as a ministry to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and send out every student who comes through our doors, but I want to share with you, this is where, where the role comes in, the need comes in. At the beginning of this year, we had 17 leaders, including myself, adult leaders involved in our student ministry. Over this year, we've lost six of them that have most of them stepped into other ministries that, that they felt called into, and we've sent them with joy, not because we wanted to get rid of them. <laughs> But because when God calls them into something else, he calls them into something else, and we wanted to send them into that. But that means that we're, we're down to 11 or 12 of us 
Over the last two years, we've had over 500 students involved in our ministries. 350 of them became very regular over the last two years of, of meeting with us through seasons as regulars. It's a lot of students, and it's a lot of this generation that is seeking truth. If you don't believe me that they're seeking truth, right now we're doing a series called Questionable, a youth group, where we literally take a bowl and we put questions in a bowl. In two weeks, they put 94 questions in. Only 12 of them were math questions. We wait till the end of the series and we answer the math questions so that they've already failed that test, okay? So, no, but here's the thing. We, what we do with this is amazing uh, in this that, that our leaders are stepping up. We have leaders and student leaders that study scripture and answer these questions over six to eight weeks. But, but I don't bring that up because I want you to see just what we're doing. I want you to know what they're asking so you can know where this generation truly is. So if you would like to, after service, come and see me out here, and I'll print you off the list of their questions so you can see where they're at. Because it gives you some insight into what this generation actually wants to know and where that generation in our community is. Because they ask real questions, and because it's anonymous for most of them, they're willing to ask the question they don't want to say out loud. And you can see what they're struggling with and what truths they need to know and want to know, and they're there every week to listen and hear the answers. It's an incredible thing to see, but in this, I need small group leaders who are willing to come on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and pour into them in a small group setting to disciple them. I need uh, need disciple makers, those that are willing to meet with them maybe one-on-one sometime throughout the week to pour into them, to care for them, to, to show up at one of their games and to just love on them in a way that shows them what it is to follow Christ in everyday life. Those are the roles that I need Because uh, I'm also not just over the youth, I get to be over the next ministries on our list, which is our college and young adults ministries. For the college, we have a group called His Hill that normally meets on campus at WNCC every year, and we get to meet weekly there. This year, we can't. And so we restructured what we were doing to try to pour into things differently. So we have uh, students and young adults that are leading Bible studies in their homes, on campus, wherever they can. One of them is running sound this week. She jumped in as a last-minute volunteer for us is Ashley. And she leads one of these Bible studies on campus and has been able to reach people that we weren't reaching. And I love that. People that say, yeah, I don't want to go talk to that weird guy at your church, but I'll, I'll sit in your dorm room and talk to you. And I'm like, great, then let's do it that way. Okay, I get it. I do get it. Okay, I see myself. I understand. But it's one of those things that, that I love to see what's happening and the impact that's going on from that as they continue to grow. We're having reach that we couldn't have had because the body of those young adults, they're stepping up and starting to serve and be part of this. But the problem is, is we're, not, we're not reaching what we should be. And it's not based on numbers. It's based upon what I've seen sitting around in this room. A couple months ago, it was probably six months ago, I was sitting over here during a sermon. I never sit over here during a sermon. My wife sat over there, and so I went, I'll sit with her because we're married. Um, so, I, no, I sat over there to sit with her. Uh, bad idea for me. I sit in the front, in the middle, so that I can focus. When I sit on the side, I watch people. So I'm sorry if you saw me staring at you. I was, okay? <laughs> I can't help it. I don't remember what the sermon was about. You can tell, tell John, tell on me, it's fine. He'll scold me later, but... Here's one thing I did do while I was sitting in there. I was sitting over there and I was counting. Okay, how many people do I see that I know that are under 25? There were 144 people in that service and there were 85 of them that were under 25. 
And I went, wow, we're not, we're not reaching them because many of that 85 were non-college student young adults. I said, we don't really have a ministry for them. A lot of people say, well, just push them into the adult ministry. Well, if you've ever interacted with uh, a Gen Zer who has not yet been equipped to be in what the typical adult ministry is, we're losing them. And there's a reason for it. And so this is why we've created a ministry on Thursday nights called The Well. It's a service geared towards young adults where we do some deep Bible study and grow together. They have a desire to learn, a desire to know. And here's the heart of that ministry, that they would come and plug in and we would get them attached to another adult from the church who can disciple them. After they've been connected to someone to disciple them, I don't really ride them to say, hey, come and be part because that's the design of it is that in five years we won't need this ministry because we're getting our young adults discipling. We have a culture of older adults in the church reaching out to younger adults. And by the way, based upon the scriptural standard, I'm in the older adult category, so don't get offended, all right? Okay? We're in what scripture calls the final stage. <laughs> oh, boy. So I feel it. But here's, here's the thing, okay? I want you to know there's, I need disciple makers in that. I need people that are willing to disciple young adults, that want to see something happen. I love young adults because they're, they're the, the ones that were just teenagers that were very afraid to do stuff, and now they're as young adults going, why was I afraid? I want to do it. They're ready to go. They're ready to lead things out. They're ready to learn. They're asking tons of questions. Just this Thursday, we finished up uh, with the well, and everybody, they were kind of hanging out and talking through a lot of things. 10.45 that night, I'm still there with a group of them, and we finished the night on our knees praying for revival within this church because that's their passion, that's their heart. And it's exciting. And I want you to be involved in that. I want you to experience that. And I want you to help lead and drive that. It's an exciting thing. And there's tons of need there. I think of our worship ministry. It's not just the music that happens up here, though this is a huge part of what goes on. But they have a heart for this throughout this ministry. The vision is this, to glorify God, to encourage believers, to reinforce sound doctrine, to prepare hearts and minds to receive God's word, and to expose people to the gospel. This ministry involves the music and the arts that we have here, but also it involves our tech crew that you may look at and say, how important is that? It's not important until the words don't pop up on the screen and everybody's looking back, they're going, hey, what's going on, right? Then it's important, but you have to understand it's more important than that because they're here at 3.30 on Saturdays just practice through hitting the button with the team, making sure everything's launched, making sure the team has the words up here and, and they have everything ready to go for you so that there's not a single thing hindering you from being able to worship God through music. That's the heart. That's the desire and that's what, what is going on in this is they're part of the same vision even though they're not standing up here running sound and jumping in, doing all these other pieces. I think of uh, another side of this ministry, our broadcast ministry, which many of you kind of know about or maybe don't realize how much goes into it. But this is what Renata oversees. Uh, They take all the ministry that we do here and they put it out online to the rest of the world. And when I say the world, I truly mean the world. We've been able to, to connect with people from many countries, other continents, all over the world through this year because of what Renata and Ken have been driving and doing in our online ministry, in that broadcast ministry. It's incredible to see. And not only do they do on Sunday mornings, Renata comes on Wednesday nights and, and live streams out our youth service on Thursday nights and live streams out the well for young adults to connect. And we've had people this year come to know Christ through our online services because of what Renata's heart is, which is this. She says it all the time, all for the glory of Christ. It's the heart that this church was built on. 
It's literally on the cornerstone of the building uh, in Mitchell where, where this church was. It says all for the glory of Christ, and that is the heart behind that ministry. And, and I just want to tell you, Ken and Renata worked ridiculously hard this last year to, to provide uh, our services in a way that was safe and effective and accessible to you and your family so that we could continue to equip you through a time that many churches couldn't do anything. I love that they didn't just stop there. When, when we got ours kind of going, they would work for hours and hours and hours a week to have one service together so that we could accomplish this and still be able to do the work of the church. And when they got ours up and going to where it was kind of running smoothly, they started getting a hold of other churches in the community that couldn't do that yet and pouring into them, helping them put together their systems. So now we have many churches in the community that are able to reach their congregation that's unable to attend in person yet. It's incredible, this ministry, so that the gospel would get out, so that there would be nothing that would hinder it from going. It's an incredible thing, and I want to encourage you, talk to Renata about how you can get involved, because we as a church would not have been able to continue the mission that we were called to last year without this ministry. So I want to encourage you, if you hear that and you go, I want to be part of that, go talk to Renata. See what roles need filled, what areas you can serve and be part of, because that's a fun one that I get to see a lot of my, my students serving alongside their parents and getting to learn together what it is to serve, and it's incredible. It's amazing to see, and it's encouraging. So we move up into our adult ministries. Now, we offer a lot of different adult ministries. We have our services, of course, on the weekend that are geared towards adults. But we also have life groups that meet throughout the week, these groups that are not just Bible studies. They're about fellowship, and fellowship not just in eating food. <laughs> fellowship is in gathering together, united and growing in our understanding of Christ, to be talking about Jesus and what he means and what he has called us to, to be united together in communion with God. This is the heart of life groups that you would do life together in a way that disciples you and your family. So we have this ministry going. I would encourage you to be part of it if you've not, to be part of a life group, maybe to step up and lead a life group as we need that. We have our men's and women's ministries. The men's ministry yesterday met upstairs here in the morning for men's breakfast and afterwards spent a couple hours here at the church where they, they worked on different projects around the building to help maintain the building and keep things up and going. Right afterwards, the women's ministry, some of them showed up for a craft day. Now, it's not all that women's ministry does is crafts. I'm just going to tell you that. And it's not all that men's ministry does uh, to just fix things. But these are just some of the opportunities that happened in the last two days here. A couple weeks ago, the women's ministry hosted an event here called the If Gathering. I still am hearing impact. People coming to me saying that was phenomenal and that grew me and that challenged me and that changed my view of God and I'm walking with him now and I'm working on these things. Incredible impact. There's a Bible study starting up for women on the 11th. There's a sign-up sheet out on one of those tall tables over by the Welcome Center. Go check it out for information on that. But we have a lot of stuff going on for men's and women's ministries. We have our core classes that are happening right now. We're in a season of these core classes where we, we explain things out. And maybe this is where you're at. You're going, okay, I hear all this stuff. I hear all this stuff that you got going on. I hear that you want me to serve. I don't think I'm really gifted to serve anywhere in this church. I don't really think I have what it takes. I just want to challenge you. Maybe jump into the shape class that we have because guess what it's about? Helping you discover the gifts that the Spirit of God has given you and where they fit within serving in the church that the body would grow. It's literally this this message lived out through eight weeks to help you understand where you fit and give you an opportunity to step into it and be what we're talking about. So I challenge you, get involved in something like that. Learn and grow together in that. 
We have a Bible basics class that gives you a 30,000 foot view of the Bible so that you know, how do I study it? What is it structured like? What does this mean? What are these parts? And it's an incredible thing to get a basics of the Bible. We have a partnership class that goes through the doctrine of the church. And then we have two new core classes this year that are walking you through how to make disciples and follow the model of Christ in doing that. Phenomenal things going on to help grow and equip you for, for your work, for your community, for your home to help you understand and grow in that. We have different retreats like the marriage retreat that's going on right now. 33 couples have been spending this whole weekend having their marriages poured into being challenged and growing together. And we offer things like this regularly. The list goes on and on, but here's the challenge. Find an area whose vision you feel passionately about and dive in. Be part of the body of Christ because it needs you. This community needs you. Help our local body equip you, your families, and other families to be discipled and sent on mission to make more disciples. Don't just attend the church. Be the church. I'm going to give you an opportunity today as we close. Out here as you were coming in, a lot of you were asking, okay, what are the Easter eggs? What's this basket thing? What's all this stuff going on here out here making a mess, okay? First one that's making a mess, blame the youth pastor every time, Okay? But the second thing I want you to understand is this. What this is is an opportunity for us to start reaching out in our community. So as you leave, here's what I want you to do. Whether you're here as an individual with, with a group that's, that you do life with or with your family, together I want you to go, grab a basket, put some grass in it, put some eggs in it. The eggs are empty. I'll explain why in a second. Take the two pieces of paper that are there. One's a little business card that has the gospel written out in a simple way on it. The other one is an invite to our Easter services coming up in two weeks where the gospel is gonna be shared. And I want you to take these, put them in the basket, go and think about who you're gonna give this basket to. Then decide what you wanna put in those eggs that you can give to them. Maybe it's like, it's my coworker and I know they love Reese's, so I don't wanna give them jelly beans, I wanna give them Reese's, right? Okay, think this way. Think about a way that you can do it. And then here's, here's the challenge. Maybe it's your neighbor. Take one of your kids with you to go to your neighbor's house to do this. Let them see you reaching out and inviting someone to church or reaching out with the gospel. Let them be part of that. Let them experience it. You want to see discipleship happen in your family? Do ministry together. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about that being on mission together as a family, but I want to challenge you to, to go and to do this now. Reach out, invite someone to join us for Easter in a couple weeks, not so that we fill this room, but so that the gospel is heard. I have 360 baskets out there. Take a few. Can you imagine what could happen in this community of 360 families received a basket and someone talking to them about Christ. Can you imagine what would happen if 360 families decided, okay, we wanna, we wanna go somewhere that we're gonna hear what this is all about and hear the gospel. Let's be the church and let's start reaching out in that way and let's take advantage of this opportunity. You may be hearing going, okay, you say hear the gospel. I don't understand what this gospel is. Gospel, it just simply means this, good news. And the good news is not that there's a sale on chicken at Safeway, okay? Some of you, that's great news. I don't actually know if there is, so don't, don't take my word on that. Here's the good news. All of us have sinned. Doesn't sound like good news. But because all of us have sinned, we're separated from God who created us to be in a relationship with him. And because of that sin, we, we'll try to be good, to outweigh all the bad we've done with good, but that's not what God requires. He requires the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin according to his word. So as many good deeds as I want to do, it's not going to pay for or remove my sin. 
But out of his love for us, God sent his son, Jesus, who came and shed his blood. He died in your place, paying the price that you owed for your sins to God. Three days later, God raises him from the dead, declaring that payment as accepted on your behalf, giving Jesus the authority to now give you new life for everyone who trusts in him alone. You have eternal life. It's not him plus your good works or him plus getting baptized or him plus anything. Him alone, according to scripture, according to his own word. So anyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life and that life with Jesus starts the moment you put your faith in him and lasts forever. It's not something for when you die. It's something that starts now and we walk in this faith. So I wanna invite you today, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus and you're going, I'm ready to do that. What I mean by putting your faith in him is taking all of what it would take to save you, all the weight of what it takes to save you and putting it on him. No longer trusting that you can do it or anyone else can do it for you, just him. And trusting that he is the only way that you can be saved through him and what he has done on your behalf. So as I'm closing in prayer, if you were ready to do that, I wanna invite you to just take a moment between you and God and trust in Jesus. Put your faith in him. You don't have to say any magic or special or specific words. Express what's going on in your heart to God. And if you have more questions about that, I want you to come and see me. I'll be right out here right afterwards. I'll warn you, I am really weird up here and I'm just as weird in a one-on-one. So it's gonna be a little awkward, but that's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's answer your questions. Let's figure this out. And, and I would love to celebrate with you if you truly today have put your faith in Christ. I want to celebrate with you in that. And so come and talk to me. I would love to get somebody discipling you and walking with you. But as we close in prayer, if you're ready to do that, go for that. Do that. God, we thank you that today we've had the opportunity to open your word, to study who you are, God, and what you've done and what you've called us to. God, I pray that today, if there's anyone here who has not yet put their faith in you, that, God, they would be drawn into you by your spirit, God, in a way that only you can. God, I thank you so much for just the opportunity to share your word and to give opportunities for our church to be part of being the body of Christ. I pray, God, that you would truly move, use these baskets, God, as, as more than just a, a nice gift, God, but truly to draw people into yourself. God, I pray that you would ignite in this church, in this local body, a passion to be the body of Christ, that we would reach into the church, pouring into each other, growing each other in our maturity and into the image of Christ, that the community around us would see this truth, this hope, and this light. God, we praise you and we thank you for your word and how clear it is on this. Help us to respond to it and to do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen.